Welcome to The Widow's Walk with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you've experienced the loss of someone close to you, Dr. Connie and her guests will share guidance, love, and support to help keep you moving. Now, here is Dr. Connie. Welcome to our November show for The Widow's Walk. I'm your host, Dr. Connie Mariano. I'm a widow for, now I'm counting, we all count the days. It's been four years and four months since I became a widow. And we're in the month of November now on our first season of The Widow's Walk. So when I think of November, I think of Thanksgiving. And all these memories come back of Thanksgiving dinner and preparations with John and our family. And and then again, it leads on to Christmas holiday season and all the wonderful things of family and our loved ones. So all these memories come back. And I think of how the most important thing my husband left me are memories of all the things he's given me. He's given me amazing, amazing memories. And I was just communicating today with one of my patients who's a widower who is married 61 years. And his wife, who was a patient of mine, passed away three years ago. Oh, no, actually, no, take it back. Three months ago this month. And he was he was telling me that he was going to spend Thanksgiving with his daughter in Texas. And in his email, he was corresponding that the hardest part is a realization that he will never see his beloved Margaret again. He'll never see her face, touch her hand and kiss her lips and feel her warmth. Never again in this life. And and it is true. The physicality is gone, but the memories stay. And if you believe in the afterlife, they never go away. They're they're with us in spirit. They're with us, I believe, in signs. They're, they, they know what's going on. They're in our hearts forever. But they also leave many other things behind. They, they, leave, they leave things, right? Uh, a lot, number one, you know, when, when they leave, they, they leave, I, if you're fortunate, they leave uh, wealth, they leave money, they leave assets. And there's that whole issue of estates and assets and your wealth, if you're, you're blessed, to, to handle that in inheritance, but they leave things like their clothes, their jewelry, their golf clubs, their cars, they leave stuff. So what do you do? What do you do when your loved one has died and all you have left are memories and stuff? So I thought of somebody who would be perfect for my in-studio guest today. And this is somebody I have known for 22 years since our time together at Mayo in Scottsdale in executive health. <laughs> I get the honor of meeting him once a year in person. And then throughout the years, we occasionally communicate. I'm a subscriber on uh, his his blogs because I've been impressed by his ability to communicate his wisdom about wealth and his sanity. He does it in a very measured way. I really think a lot of ways my guest is, is, is a therapist who just handles a lot of financial counseling. So you do what's wise with your assets and your money. But he also knows his clients. He's only got 62 families, which is a large group. But he, I really think it should be a reality show because of what he learns and does. But I want to welcome Andrew or Andy Ferguson to the show today at Widow's Walk. Uh, I get lots of his, his podcasts. In fact, there was one that really struck me, and I'm going to introduce him in a second a little bit more. But there was one that struck me from July 19, 2023 on his blogs about stop wrapping your furniture in plastic. And it's about stuff. And, and 
he, I'm quoting his 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 uh, blog. He said, it's a wonderful sentiment and one I constantly find myself reinforcing clients about things, about about don't wait to benefit from things until someone's dead for the inheritance money to be passed on. After you get past the point of self-sustenance, money is just a tool to use to create positive experiences in life. And I think that's what he does for his clients. He, he really helps them to maximize their assets, but also to make positive experiences in life. So let me formally introduce my guest today. Andy Ferguson is the founder and CEO of Proquility Private Wealth Partners. It's a fully independent registered investment advisor, which is, stands for RIA, in Las Vegas, Nevada, and serving clients throughout the United States and internationally, he just mentioned. Andy founded his company to provide individualized attention and customized planning and investment services for a select group of clients in need of multi-generation financial advice, so two to three generations and beyond. So not only the founder of the company, but the, the descendants and the families who inherit this. So he offers advice to them and education and guidance. And his company discreet, discreetly serves the unique goals of 62 high net worth client families and their philanthropic foundations throughout the United States. He's got over 40 years of experience in financial and estate planning at Merrill Lynch. He is a certified financial planner as well as a chartered financial consultant. Uh, and he has a Bachelor of Science in Finance from the University of Arizona in Tucson. And he received a certified investment management analysis designation from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. So outstanding credentials. He served as chairperson at the Merrill Lynch Advisory Council to Management, advising senior management on the company on issues affecting clients worldwide. He served as an industry arbitrator for the National Association of Security Dealers between 1994 and 2006. Since 2015, he has been inducted or included on the Barron's Top 1200 financial advisors list on the annual on an annual basis. So in 2018, 2019 and 2020, Andy Ferguson was named to the Forbes best in state wealth advisors list. He's been a Las Vegas resident for over 30 years and has maintained an active role in the community. He's a past president of the Boys and Girls Club of Las Vegas Foundation, and he has served on the advisory committee for the Marty Hennessy Inspiring Children Foundation. In addition, Andy is a member of the UNLV Plan Giving Advisors Council and the University of Arizona Presidents Club. Uh, on the side, he is a classic film devotee, enjoys playing tennis, bike riding, and sharing a passion for animals with his wife, Terry, in caring for four rescued cats. He has three adult sons who are amazing, and he balances his time between Vegas and Naples, Florida. So, Andy, welcome. Thank it's good you. to have Thank you here. here. I've had the pleasure of knowing you all these years, and and I know I, I get to interview you, but I, I just I wanted to share your expertise because I know you as a friend, but also as a as a uh, professionally. But I think it's important because of all your talent and experience of all these years taking care of your clients. And now that you know, you've been independent for quite some time now with your own company, I was looking at the name. How did you get Proquility? Well, you, you quickly learn as a small business person that all the other good names are taken. So you have to kind of make one up. So we came up with Professional Tranquility or Proquility. And uh, lucky enough for us, it wasn't taken by anyone else worldwide. So we, we, we uh, uh, got a, a trademark on it and, uh, and, we, and away we went. 
That's awesome. That's really, really good with that. You, you're, you're the wise man. I, I think you're the sage advisor for these families that you take care of, high net worth individuals. And you know, there's a lot of drama. I, th- I think you could do a reality series, definitely. My show focuses on on people who've lost their spouses, on widows. And you've had your experience over the years with widows, right? What what have you noticed? Yes, we have. And, and in serving families, inevitably with the march of time, things happen. And you, you are working with multiple generations. And of course, uh, as we discussed many times, uh, it's often or most common for a woman to outlast their husband. Uh, and uh, it's uh, sad but true. And it, it basically means that particularly for planning purposes, uh, both parties in any couple and any family really need to be engaged and working together when they have the opportunity so that the plan is in place for when one or or both or or the other suddenly is gone. And sometimes it's planned and sometimes you have time to plan and other times it's very sudden, as you know, and, and consequently, you really want to work from your planning with the idea that if something, God forbid, happened tomorrow, you are prepared. You know, you're very wise about that. A lot of people don't have that discussion. You know, this show, a lot of the listeners are widows. It's already happened. Their husband has passed. They're either suddenly widowed like myself or a large portion of them were widows in waiting and then became widows. They knew that their husbands uh, were dying of cancer or stroke or heart disease or dementia uh, but there are wives who listen. Uh, there are uh, there is a subset, small population who are want to be widows. They would like to be widows, but that's when I tell them they should go for counseling with their marriage. There are other options instead of waiting for him to die. But a large portion of the the listeners are married, still are married, have husbands, and I think the statistics show that seventy to seventy five percent of married women who are listening in will be widows because it's the fact that men tend to die before their wives, even if they're younger, they die sooner. They die before their wives, and most widows outlive their husbands by about ten or eleven years. Women women are living longer. So you've got a population of widows that you know you take care of. And I think you're telling me what percentage of widows versus widowers you have in your practice in your practice? Yes, the, the families we serve, I, I uh, in anticipation of our visit, I, I looked to see or be reminded of how many folks are are widowed and how many are widowers. And the 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 it was a ten to one ratio. Oh gosh, yeah. It, it's it's it, and and so it bears out some of the demographics you're talking about. And and uh, the widowers' uh, approach to life might be a little different than the widows too. And I think there's a diff- it comes from a different place. And and so we can speak to both. But but in the context of our discussion today, uh, the widows that we work with. Uh, many had the opportunity to plan in advance of of being a widow, and, and others were unfortunately uh, suddenly taken by surprise and and had to uh, deal with the cards they were dealt at the time. Which 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 in in the cases that I've worked with have been you know very tragic and very unfortunate. Uh, the best thing anyone can do, however, is uh, if you have the opportunity and you are together now with your spouse to try to plan in advance if you have that opportunity. Uh, try not to allow benign neglect to get in the way of of being um, instructive and, and proactive about what you really want to see happening. And, and our encouragement for anyone who has that opportunity is to do uh, is to look regularly at the documents that you have prepared. If you don't have some prepared, you should. But if you don't, uh, or if you do, excuse me, you look at those regularly uh, and not assume that they still inform how you feel. Uh, and and I, I think you have to ask yourself, uh, take a step back and ask yourself, if I were gone tomorrow, 
if we were both suddenly died in a common accident or if he or she were gone tomorrow, um, uh, do these documents still represent how I want my affairs to be handled? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can do that with a little bit of uh, peace and quiet and not be distracted, I think you'll you'll quickly arrive at, a, at, a, at the idea of whether you need to amend or edit these documents or if they're in good shape, which would be terrific. You know, you bring up a good point. A lot of people put it off. And I'm seeing that in my family where I'm dealing with an elderly aunt and her husband who are 88 and 90 years old. There's uh, definitely no there are no children involved here. So it falls upon nieces and nephews to figure out what to do with their with their will and their trust. As a physician, as an internist, a lot of my patients for whom I'm responsible, I am their last physician. So what I do every year on their annual exam, they come in and I go, I ask them, I said, do you have your will, your advanced directive? Do we have that on file? <laughs> Something happens to you. Who do you want as your healthcare power of attorney? Have you designated an executor or personal rep for your estate? Have you talked to your, do you have an, an estate attorney? I mean, you know, a lot of it, and it's a difficult, it's something I prod their memory. And I know a lot of places, if you go in for a procedure, they'll ask if there's an advanced directive. I know the Mayo Clinic's good about that. They'll ask, do you have anything on file, healthcare, healthcare, um, personal, um, your protective health information, person that you list. But I think couples, a lot of times, don't like to talk about that. And when John and I were married, Every anniversary, we called it the State of the Union, uh, as presidents have the State of the Union. We have our State of the Union. We go to dinner or we ha- go to lunch or somewhere, and we sit down and go, well, how's the marriage going? So <laughs> we go over how we're doing, what the goals are for the next year, and then we go over, okay, we each you know, know about what we want for power of attorney, the estate. We look go over the financials. This is what we want done. And over time, you know, you share that. It's very difficult the first couple of years. And then as you as you advance in your marriage, you know, we had the conversation like, if should you die today, what would you want to do with your practice? What do you want to do with the house? Where do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? And then you're, you're done, you know. And then if you, you definitely, you designate your state attorney. Now, you don't do the wills in the states, right? You work with their attorneys? That, that is correct. We're not attorneys or tax preparers, but we collaborate often with those professionals for all of our families. And it's very important that all of us work together in concert to help a family that otherwise might be disorganized or, or might uh, be so far flung and so busy with life in general that they don't address and, and update some of these things that are critical. Uh, so we don't do the documents. We're familiar with them, of course. We read through them. We ask that we keep those on file. Uh, and we'll periodically glance at them, too, should a circumstance present itself that requires some intervention. Which is really true because you need a review. I know from my uh, trust in a state, I think there was a change in address, which I just, I just, I'm updating right now because the IRS sends stuff to that old address. And you're like, wait a minute, it was because it, they use the old documents. So we have to update. And you always, or if one of the uh, trustees changes, yes. you know, they die or they get sick, they're incapable, you can change that. But it's something, it's almost like you have to have the un- uncomfortable conversation to begin with and be willing to say, you know, this is important because if you should pass before me, I'm going to be stuck. Can So can you help me here? You know, can you help me here? Um, I have a, a patient of mine who is a widow in waiting because her husband's 15 years older. It's a second marriage for both. He has no children. She has one. And I think the difficulty in that marriage that she's seeing is that their plan is that when he dies, she gets to sell the house. Uh, it lives in until, you know, for a short while. And then everything goes to a city that he grew up in. Mm-hmm. 
And that is really, it's a very difficult thing for her to accept. Mm -hmm. So I said, that's something you two need to go out, work out together because that's your relationship. And that's, and that again has become a difficult thing. That's, I can understand why a lot of them don't want to talk about it. So when you, when you talk to your widows, obviously you give them advice. I mean, everything's prepared. Do you ever get a widow or a widower who nothing was prepared? They can't find the trust, the will, or yours are pretty, pretty sad, right? Yes, but, but. Uh, typically in any family, and this is not unusual, one person drives the planning process. Mm-hmm. So one person might be more uh, aware of where the documents are or what's in the documents. Same thing with all decisions in a family household. You know, certain people do certain things. Maybe they're stronger at certain areas. And in an ideal relationship, of course, there's balance and everybody does their part. So it's highly unusual in my experience for both uh, uh, spouses to be equally up to date on everything that's going on. We try as an organization to bring people together and have those discussions. So if if it doesn't occur any other time, it's happening in our reviews, mm-hmm. you know, once or twice a year. And and in that discussion, we, we want to make sure that everyone is on the same page and understands the meaning of what they have and what their intentions are. Uh, and sometimes that that uh, uh, brings up conversations. Many times, an uncomfortable conversation. Uh, some of the ones you alluded to, where it's it's not uncommon to have a second marriages, uh, children from second marriages or for prior marriages, and there is some conflict there. The other thing that that maybe we we should allude to a little bit is a, a certain amount of superstition about dealing or talking about death, and and. and and the idea that we're all going to die someday, and I think intellectually we all understand that, but emotionally it's very hard to put our arms around. And maybe if we don't talk about it, maybe if we don't plan, mm-hmm. maybe if we don't go to an attorney and talk about <laughs> documentation, it won't happen to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we know that's not true, and it's kind of silly, but I find that it's often um, a reaction to folks um, – saying, well, I'll get around to that, but life's so busy right now that it's just not a front burner issue. And at some point, it has to be a front burner issue. Mm -hmm. Younger people take for granted that they're going to live forever. That doesn't happen all the time. We've had, uh, in our experience, uh, some sudden widows in their 30s and 40s. It's it's sad, but very, very possible. And so consequently, uh, if we're engaged with any family, our job, we think, is to try to nudge everyone to kind of check these boxes and make sure that they address the things that maybe are so far off in their mind and they don't see as a practical reality, but it's it's definitely a possibility. And and so we spend a fair amount of time making sure uh, they have their, their all their pieces in place. Which is really true. It's really preparing. A lot of people just get married. They never think about the consequences. You know, you're talking about widows and the rush. The I think the, I, I'll double check statistics, but for I recall last time I looked, the average age of the first time widow is 47. Wow. 47, you know, because if he dies of a sudden heart attack yes. at 50, you know, she's stuck. And a lot of times, you know, there is there a will, there's a state, a lot of them don't. And then the, the current statistics are one out of 10 widows in the United States is poverty stricken. Nothing. Yes. There's no life. There's no real There's no life insurance policy. There's no benefits. Nothing. Yes. So, you know, what do you do about them? And usually family takes them in. Uh, they try to pay the bills, but they're bankrupt, you know, especially yes. have little kids. And, and and so not everybody's blessed to, to have someone like you or someone like me on their side to help out. One of the things we, we talked about, obviously, the memories are important, the assets that you work with so that they don't all go into probate and then they lose that and the ability to use those assets for family left behind. But I, I'm looking at stuff and I'm still I still have a lot of stuff from my husband uh, from four years, four months ago. Um, I've shared a lot of that stuff and moved on in my life to change places where I live. But 
you know, what do you do? You counsel them up, for example, jewelry, clothing, stuff, golf clubs, big portraits. I mean, what do you what do you recommend to your widows and widowers? Well, uh, there's there's a period of time, in in my opinion, that folks shouldn't do anything. I think they should they should take a step back and a deep, take a deep breath, and maybe they have to take care of certain things right away. But it's rare, Connie, that someone has to make large decisions right away. Very rare. And so, and in, in in, in oftentimes, if that happens, I think they might look be looked back upon with regret. So our counsel initially to anyone, based on our experience, is just to say, look, uh, we're here to help you with some of the administrative things, all that I dotting and T crossing. Don't worry about that. But but take a step back and think about, you know, what uh, you'll do now uh, going forward, not just in, in the next week or month, but, but over a longer period of time. And the things about possessions are some people are more accumulators than others. So if 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 uh, you you live a, a fairly tight and 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 organized life, you may not have a lot of extraneous things. But a lot of folks in our experience have things all over the place, and someone is going to deal with those things. Uh, so it's up to you whether you want to be the have control and deal with those, or whether you want uh, your kids, your grandkids, or a stranger potentially to come in and dispose of items. So I put it to folks in this way. Uh, nothing has to happen right away, but eventually you're going to want to address this and uh, you can address it or you can let someone else address it. And and what makes you the most comfortable? It's just like the idea of control. You know, we have this false impression that we have a lot of control over things in our lives. And, and to some extent we do, but there's a lot of things we can't control. So, so I like to think that when you're looking at um, a situation where you've got, uh, you look around and so all of a sudden you have a couple of houses or you have, you know, all these cars or you have a lot of furniture, you have stuff in storage and you don't know why you have the storage facility. <laughs> and, 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 you know, at some point you want to dial that back if you can uh, and obviously be proactive so that whomever is left to deal with this stuff mm-hmm. is not burdened by it. Um, and I've had many cases where I've gone to houses of clients after the fact, and it, it is some it is something, and, and it is a job, a full time job, for whoever has the, is tasked with having to clean things up. Wow, it, it's true. I think the advice that I t- I took from that is take a deep breath, don't think you got to get rid of everything, reflect on it, don't act haphazardly. But I love how you phrase uh, another word, euphemism for um, hoarder. Is Did you say coll- accumulator? Accumulator. Or, well, it depends on how you value it. You are a collector. A collector. I'm a, you can say you're a collector. <laughs> so we're going to go back to more of the, the collection of, of what do you do with your pos- your spouse's possessions that, that fall to you. you know, the house, the items, the things, the wedding ring, the jewelry, that, and then y- your own estate that you know, when, when is it okay to let go? Because, you know, when, when death strikes home and takes away your, your spouse, it reinforces your mortality. Mm -hmm. You know, what's to separate, you know, God took him, he's going to take me next. So uh, I I should prepare. I don't want to leave this to my kids with, without knowing what I want. So stay tuned on widow's walk. We're going to come back in a few, few minutes after this break with Andy Ferguson, who's going to give us some more sage advice about what to do with the things our loved ones leave behind. So here's, we're going to stop for a break and then you'll be back on The Widow's Walk. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
the White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you inspired by stories about personal empowerment, well-being, and the motivation to achieve more? Get ready for Next Steps Forward with Chris Meek. Each week, Chris will talk with experts and icons from different walks of life who personify energy, direction, excitement, and purpose as they take bold steps forward in pursuit of excellence and service to others. Tune in to Next Steps Forward, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Did you know you have the power to overcome any obstacles and create the life you desire? Listen for Up Close and Empowered with host Sana Johns. Sana has proven with nearly three decades of experience, it is totally possible to become stronger, more confident, and empowered to live a life of love, fulfillment, and success. It's through Sana's personal transformation that has inspired her to awaken you to your divine power. Up Close and Empowered with Sana Johns, Thursdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to The Widow's Walk. Remember to check out the show page on the Voice America website for more episodes. Now, back to Dr. Connie. Welcome back to The Widow's Walk. I'm Dr. Connie Mariano, and I'm with my special guest, Andy Ferguson, who is the founder and CEO of Proquility Private Wealth Partners. And he has the fortunate ability to counsel and advise and really know about 62 high net worth client families in the U.S. Andy, if any of my clients are listening or any of my listeners are, are listening right now, how, how would they, if they want to sign up with you or one of your associates, how would they do that? They can reach out in a variety of ways. Our website is very simply uh, proquility.com. And uh, we are, uh, our, my email is andyf at proquility.com. So between those two things, you'll find us. And I will make sure that uh, uh, if you reach out, that we will respond very quickly uh, and uh, try to help in any way we can. What is the hardest thing about what you do? The difficult thing for me is that the numbers is easy, the, the, the numbers part, and we are a numbers business. But the difficult thing is the in-between-the-lines um, human element that really requires, and you alluded to this before, the psychology of, of money and, and dealing with how people react to money and what money represents for them. Because in some cases, it, it represents security uh, or, or it gives them the ability to sleep at night knowing they can pay their bills. But for others, it's, uh, it's, it's a form of leverage. It's a form of power. It's a form of influence. Uh, it's a form of social uh, appreciation. So we, I have to be sensitive to what money represents for folks. And, and that's, not, that's always nuanced. And it may be t- entirely different, by the way, for a husband and a wife. And sometimes that creates conflict. Mm-hmm. So the hard thing for us is not the numbers. It's understanding, getting a good understanding of who we're dealing with that represent the resources 
And uh, that takes time. It's nothing that can happen quickly or overnight. Our relationships on average are over 20 years in length. So we've, ta- we've, we've had the benefit of being able to talk and relate and go through good and bad times with folks. Uh, but right out of the back, uh, right out of the back uh, bat uh, with folks, it's, it's, it's a challenge to ascertain that right away. And so that takes a lot of questions and a lot of back and forth and, and to some degree, just some experience. You know, and it's true. I think when people inherit a lot of money, what, what kind of, be, I mean, you'll see the heirs. How, how, what, how do they react? What, what kind of behavior do you see when people inherit a nice sum of money? Well, are they aware of whether it was coming or not? There's a big difference. And, should, and should parents tell their children? I believe that uh, to a degree, I think all families uh, should be forthcoming and transparent to a degree they're comfortable with so that uh, the, the children and grandchildren, if they're involved in an inheritance, are aware of, uh, of what they're going to be responsible for. And we, we use the word responsibility a lot in our practice because typically our families aren't worried about where their next meal is coming from, but what they are worried about is that the money that they're leaving behind might spoil or disrupt or hurt their loved ones. Uh, and they want, more than anything, these inheritors to be good stewards of the family wealth and legacy uh, by association. And so consequently, uh, we spend a lot of time trying to educate that next generation before they even mm-hmm. uh, have uh, responsibility for the funds. Uh, and some families are more outgoing about that than others. I understand the concern that you, if you were to tell younger people, this family has a lot of money, uh, potentially you, you might never have to work another day in your life. That's that's disruptive and it's not aspirational, right? You you want to do it in, in, a, in, a, in a good way. And so we take baby steps to get folks there. Um, but uh, t- to me, uh, I, I believe that that the more that you can discuss openly uh, and communicate with your family members about what they are going to be responsible for, the better. The suddenness of inheritance, which does happen sometimes, takes people by surprise. And I liken that in a way to someone who wins a lottery mm-hmm. or or who might pull a slot machine uh, and find out that they've just won a mega bucks, $30 mm-hmm. million dollars or something. Uh, in, in my 40 years of, of experience, I've had some experiences uh, of uh, been referred to people who are in that circumstance. And it's so sudden and so uh, disruptive that they rarely uh, handle it well. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, it's, it's not a cliche, but most of the times the money is gone fairly mm-hmm. quickly. And so the suddenness of that, I think, is what's taking these folks by surprise. So if, if there's any opportunity to sit down and educate and inform uh, your benefactor, beneficiaries uh, about what's coming in their lives, I think that's a good thing. Right. It's absolutely true. I think if you you prepare that, they understand that and you and you require them to keep working, to keep doing the things that are productive, yes. that give back, because just to receive, you, you got to do something with that. You got to decide what, you know. How does it change? And to take away their incentive, that's the negative side that I've seen in, in my in my patients who do that. You know, I look at widows and, you know, we, we have a saying among widows because the widows who, who whoever would consider remarrying or dating, the widows say, I don't want to be a nurse and I don't want to be a purse. And widowers, uh, the, the rate of remarriage in widowers is about 62% or higher. Widows, it's 16%. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. We don't want to be a nurse. We don't want to be a purse. Do you advise your widows who are thinking of remarrying or dating? I mean, 
do you give like fatherly advice to them? What do you what do you tell them to protect them? Well, and I would I would try to look at it as if you know I, this was my either my mother or my sister or someone that I could relate to family wise that I'm I'm counseling because deep down everyone wants them to be happy mm-hmm. and they want them to enjoy the balance of their life. They've they've experienced a sudden uh, or or maybe not so sudden departure and they're grieving. But the truth is uh, they have a life to live and they should live it to their fullest. We only have so much time, so. Uh, if if I were if we're approached with someone uh, telling us that uh, they're in a relationship and they're thinking it's serious and they're thinking of uh, perhaps marrying again, um, there's some things that we would go through with them to make sure that they're as protected as possible. Um, we don't want them to be vulnerable um, and in the throes of of, of uh, you know the excitement of a relationship or or, or love uh, or passion. You know sometimes that can be looked past, and, and we want to try to be the voice of reason with those folks, and not for nothing. But there are other family members typically involved that have a vested interest in what happens here. And uh, I know the children want their parents to be happy. They may be very concerned that whomever they're picking up uh, in terms of a, of a new spouse might be someone that that could potentially. Uh, um, hurt uh, their their parent uh, one way or another. And so that's a natural reaction. So our, our job in a very dispassionate, objective way is to, is to give counsel to folks about what they can do to prepare uh, before uh, uh, marrying uh, to, you know, protect what they've what they bring into the marriage. So you go over definitely the financial advice. Do you ever advise like do the prenuptial, your your will estate that to re, obviously redo that for couples that remarry, right? Uh, yes, I do. Although again, we're not attorneys, but what we certainly collaborate with whomever their family attorney is, they should be informed about this intention and and get advice and counsel on from a legal perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the tax preparer should be aware too and, and, and get some some input from those folks. So if we're all collaborating together as a professional team, uh, hopefully this this person goes in with their eyes open uh, and is also well prepared uh, well before they actually walk down the aisle again. When you advise your families, and I'm sure conflicts arise, what is the most common disagreement among families that you that you counsel? Uh, I would say it's the um, it, it involves second and, and potentially third marriages where there's children uh, on both sides mm-hmm. in many cases. And so the conflict would come from the the children um, feeling like they have uh, some allegiance, first of all, perhaps to the first spouse or the, mm-hmm. the first uh, wife or husband. And, and and you know, is this is this person, you know, kind of stepping in and taking that role, taking the place? And it depends on the maturity and the age of the children, of course, too. But there's there seems to be, even as adults, there seems to be a, a quite a bit of conflict sometimes with that. Uh, there's the, as I mentioned before, there's the uh, concern that maybe that that uh, the uh, this 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 uh, partnership is not altogether for romantic reasons, and so there, there's there's a certain amount of cynicism that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are are often in the middle of that because we don't have. Uh, any particular side to support, and 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 so our job is to maybe sometimes sit together uh, with all the people in the room and, and have these discussions and kind of be the moderator. Of wow! And 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 the moderation is is often about things like uh, you know everybody agrees here that we all want mom and dad to be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, um, what are the concerns? And let's see if we can do some things 
that that makes everybody happy and sleep at night. And then and you're not always going to get complete and 100% resolution, mm-hmm. but at least having a discussion helps a lot. This, any kind of sudden thing, though, like when you announce to your children or, or that uh, I just suddenly got married again. <laughs> oh, God, that's a surprise. <laughs> right. And and that, that would that would cause a lot of concern, rightly yeah. so. Uh, yeah. And so hopefully that's not it doesn't happen that way. And, and we have an opportunity to uh, maybe have a little family meeting and discuss that. So for the the ones that you counsel, again, the challenge obviously is when they disagree or when that happens. Do you ever have families where they remove people from the will or they, they just disinherit would disinherit them? You know, the only instance that, that I've seen with disinheritance is when there's been some kind of really egregious problem uh, that um, would cause the family to say, you know, we, we don't want them to benefit at all from mm. the future estate. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very rare, actually. Mm-hmm. In fact, some of the reasons why folks might be disinherited are because they're troubled, they have issues, uh, and, and they need help, and they need some support. And, and provisions can be made in any estate plan to provide for those kinds of family members, uh, but in a way that doesn't give them access to the funds, but allows someone to facilitate funds in, in, in their care. So your clients span how many, how long have your oldest clients been with you? Uh, I have clients that have been with me almost all the 40 years that I've been practicing. Oh my gosh. And I have some that just joined us this year. So we have a wide range. Uh, and the age ranges, of course, because of our families, our newborns all mm-hmm. the way up to we had a couple of clients turn 100. Oh my goodness. So for your 100-year-old uh, clients, what do you think got them to 100? Well, some of it's genetic, let's mm-hmm. be honest. Uh, yeah. and, and some of it also is just they've lived a life of balance and moderation. Um, in my experience, and I'm thinking specifically the two that I that I know that we've dealt with, uh, they just, they always lived kind of or appeared younger to me than they actually were chronologically. Were they still working? I mean, and if so, how long did they work in their business? No, but but they weren't working, but they were using their time in a productive way. And when I say that, they may have been volunteering. Mm-hmm. They may have been giving back to the community in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and not just, you know, philanthropically through donations, but also through their time, through showing up, uh, being physically present and, and, and mentally engaged. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, and there's a lot of forms that can take. But to me, that seems to be having a purpose when someone wakes up every day mm-hmm. is a critical function, I believe, in longevity. Um, and I've observed that firsthand. You know, it's true. I think if you've got a reason to get up every morning, you've got a purpose. One of the things I love doing in my practice, Andy, is when I, I sit down once a year with patients and I do talk about their advanced directive and are you set? And it's particularly to widows or soon to be widows or one of, you know, the widows in waiting. I always ask, I mean, so what's the plan, you know, should your husband die first? And and then, you know, do you have your 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 state in order, your 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 um, paperwork in order. The two questions I love to ask are, if you won the Powerball, which was a few weeks ago, it was over, it was close to $2 billion, $2 billion. If you won the Powerball tomorrow, what would you do? And then the other question I ask is, if during this physical, I find something on you that is incurable, that is a horrible, incurable thing that would pretty much put your survival at only six months, what would you do? And so when you look at that, you look at abundant wealth, and then you look at time. You know, I think that helps them decide what do you want to do with the rest of your time? You can't buy any more time. So what are you going to do? And you're not going to change. I think we were talking about people 
mega millionaires and billionaires who who have always been frugal all their lives. Uh, do, do yours change? I mean, no, getting I, more I, money? Do I, they I like change? to say tongue in cheek, you don't change the stripes on a zebra. And if you grew up uh, being frugal, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's how you got to where you are, perhaps, that doesn't change just because you have resources. In fact, one of our challenges, and it sounds uh, uncharacteristic, but we have a challenge sometimes with people saving uh, hard all their lives and investing, and suddenly now it's time to spend. They have a very difficult time sometimes turning that wheel and going back to the spending mode. Really? Right, because they're they're, they're you have constantly to take thinking, a distribution, right? It's time. Yes, and and at some point you want to use what you've worked your whole life to yeah. produce, and it was for a reason. It was so you could enjoy a comfortable retirement in the manner you describe and and, and have dreamed about. Um, so that's part of that is 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 making sure on our end, we've reinforced the fact that they could not outspend themselves if they tried. That's mm-hmm. that's that's one of the things that we want to make sure they believe. They have to believe it, not just see the numbers. They have to believe it. But the second thing is, um, you know, going out and, and taking the opportunity to enjoy things for yourself, but also for those you care about. You alluded to this earlier about possessions versus experiences. And I wrote a, a, one of my monthly blogs was about this. I can't tell you enough how, as I've gotten older and observed what money does to families, mm-hmm how much more valuable and experiences with family members than having uh, uh, passing on a piece of furniture or a, a stock portfolio or, or, or something, a, a collection of some kind. Um, it's it's the, the meaningfulness of being together and doing things, trips, mm-hmm. whatever they may be, uh, is, is so much more valuable, even though you don't have anything tangible to show for it when you're mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And certainly these can be very expensive, mm-hmm. but you have the experience. And those are the kind of things that I end up talking to the survivors with uh, about the, the the ones that are lost. Uh, it's about the experiences, what they did with them. Yeah, those are your memories. That's right. You know, as you talk about that, you know, it comes to mind as I was going through my things, a lot of the things I've collected, and I, and I talked to my other widow friends for like your China, right? Your kids don't want that. You know, and I I asked my sons, do you want your, you know, the baby books and things that I get? Oh, mom, we'll just download those. We don't need the albums. I mean, they have a whole different yes. view of what they want to value. They don't want their furniture. You know, they, it's really the time you spend together. And, and one of my patients told me, he says, well, don't you, you do an annual ski vacation. I said, well, I don't ski. Said, no, no, it's SKI, spending kids inheritance. <laughs> That's what, you know, and so once a year I do a spending kids inheritance vacation an event so I can have time with all my kids and my grandkids. And you'll remember that in a special place. And it's your time because you can never get that time back to to know your family, that you had those special moments where you weren't drawn to work or whatever the internet or, you know, away distracted, that they can really enjoy you. And, and, and it's priceless when you look at that. Um, you know, I think you can designate things like jewelry you want to give to different people, but in the end, it's it's the memories and you time the time you spend with everybody. And we like to call it legacy planning, and mm-hmm. that can take many forms. Mm-hmm. It's not just uh, about the experiences. It, it can be benefiting uh, charitable causes and things that are near and dear to the heart of the family. Uh, and the family could work together, perhaps, to find causes that they all believe in or want to support. Uh, but but at the end of the day, to me, it, it's usually about, hey, I, I did this with my father, my mother, my my brothers, my sisters, my spouse. 
Um, and uh, no one can ever take that away from me. And, 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 and honestly, I don't need to have that documented in a, in a frame or in a, in a photo or a video, but I, I just know that uh, I went through that and it's been a great experience. And this is what makes us all, I think, part of the human condition. And, and, and it's why we, we live to enjoy each other and the folks that we care about and want to spend time with. The money is, is just a tool. And, 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 and if you're fortunate and you have plenty of resources, there's always ways to use the money for very good causes beyond yourself and your, your family. Uh, so, but it, it's, it's a gradation and you have to make sure obviously that you're as a widow, for example, that you're well taken care of. And then you think about your children or other loved ones. And then you go beyond that to perhaps philanthropic causes that are important to you. Uh, but everyone has something or someone in their life that they really should, should look at carefully and enjoy while they can. Well, you know, we went back to the, the issue of stuff, right? And, and if you don't want to go through it now, somebody else will do it. And uh, sooner or later, somebody else will do it. And I see that in my family with my elderly aunt and her husband uh, regarding assets. And eventually that house, you know, without children, so it's going to fall upon your descendants to go through that house and decide each piece. It, does it, Can this be given to somebody? Can it be donated? Or you just let it go. You just have to let it go. It's It doesn't serve. They're not there. And so, you know, the question is, do you want your kids to go through this stuff or or do you want to take time to decide, I want to keep this, I, I want to let it go? Some people use Marie Kondo's book about about organizing and and, and uh, whether that you hold up a piece of item and say, does this spark joy? Does this, mm-hmm. you know, and if it doesn't, you donate it, you get rid of it, you can take a picture of it. Um, it it's, it's just letting go of those things that link you to the past. You know, I mentioned to you about wedding rings and and I look at my widow friends and I look at how many of them still wear their wedding bands. And it's really an identity. Yes. At what point do I do I acknowledge he's gone and I don't identify as a married woman anymore? Right. I'm a widow. So do I wear my wedding band and my engagement ring, which I wore? Or is it time to retire it? And then I and I did that probably about a year and a half, almost two years after he passed. I said it's time to to let go of that, and that was very painful to do that because sure. it was always an identity that I had that. But then um, I felt naked, so I went out and bought a, a ring that I wore on my middle finger of my left hand, and I looked up the meaning of that, and it stood for autonomy. And I said, well, I can identify with that. Sure. I've got the bling; it's there. And and then uh, it's it sort of it forms the new me. It's like yes. what do what do I do with the stuff that there? So what is the best thing we can leave our children? What do you advise parents and founders? What what's the best thing you can leave them? Well, I, I think children learn through observation more than dictation. So uh, clearly how you live an intentional life, um, for better or for worse, is going to be absorbed by your children. And as they become adults and you start relating to them in a different way, um, I think there's also opportunity to perhaps uh, go back and maybe have a little bit of a do-over on some of the things you would have done better if you were a little older and wiser. But more importantly, to relate to them as individuals now and as adults who have responsibilities like you did, who have to potentially raise children or pay a mortgage or do whatever they have to do, work a job and build a career. And uh, so what you're really leaving the kids and what I think they remember is how you approached uh, some of the challenges in your life, uh, how, your reaction to the speed bumps, we call them, um, maybe potholes, whatever you want to look at it, but that they are inevitable and they come for all of us. 
So, you know, you can either um, let that uh, take you down or you can try to use that as an opportunity to get better, to evolve, uh, to make you a better person. And the kids, I think our kids observe that um, and they watch that. And um, uh, to me, that's the best legacy you can leave above all, really. Uh, the fact that you're reputationally, uh, people around you um, – wanted to be around you and cared about you because you were the kind of person that was a, uh, not just a, a, a taker, but a giver. And uh, you're, you're a balanced person that they enjoyed being around. And, you know, to a great degree of what you're doing today with your podcast, you know, you're reaching out to folks that have a similar experience. They don't know each other, but they have a similar experience. And, and honestly, whether you have a whole big, large family or you have no children, uh, but maybe you have a circle of friends that are priceless. And, and, and I think we all have something that we should fall back on and develop and maintain and, and be proactive in maintaining that. It's really easy in today's day and age to lose track of folks, but try to be intentional about that. And, and the same thing with children, too. Uh, the children are living, if they're adults, busy lives. They've got their own lives, and you don't want to start squatting on them and, 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 and taking all their time. But, but you, you'll have opportunities to visit with them and make sure that they feel uh, like uh, they've learned all they can about you and your background. I uh, still to this day share things with my kids and they didn't know something about me. And it's it's kind of funny in a way, but it also uh, fleshes out a little bit more about their old man that they never really thought about before. Well, you've worked. I mean, you've done this over 40 years. I mean, your story, you've got three sons, right? No yes. grandchildren yet, right? That's correct. You know, so what do you want to leave for them behind of you? What do you want them to remember about you? Well, I, I, I think that I'd like them to think of, of of my relationship with others and those around me, whether I serve them as, as as clients or as friends or family members, that I was a good good person that took care of business, but also was respectful and tried to be helpful and, and benefited those who maybe weren't as quite as fortunate too. Uh, I think that we all uh, work hard, particularly coming out of school and as a young people, to build up a career. It's aspirational. And you get to a certain point and you realize that maybe you've had some breaks that others didn't have. You got a little lucky. But but ultimately, to me, uh, giving back is is how you kind of share or spread the wealth. And, and you could call it pay it forward. You could call it really whatever you want. But to me, I'd like my kids to observe that in me and have the same kind of behavior, you know, with their next generation when the time comes. And you, do you see yourself retiring the next five or six years, 10 years, be a while? You can you well, do this I, a long time. I, I like what I do. And what I do every day is deal with people I like. Mm-hmm. And, and not many people have the opportunity or the fortunate uh, ability to do that. So when I wake up every day, I know when the phone rings or I'm emailing or whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm having communication with people that I enjoy that are friends as well as clients. And so that's what happens over decades of a relationship. So um, it's hard for me to say, you know, when do I just want to call it quits? I mean, physically, and mentally, as long as I've got everything together, uh, you could do what I do for a long time. Um, but uh, I also am cognizant of the fact that we all have uh, so, much, so much time. Uh, tomorrow's promise to no one. So there are other things in my life that maybe would require my time that I couldn't devote full time to running a business. So I'll, I'm going to have to try to balance that out myself in my own plan. Uh, and uh, and I'll, I'll try to be very um, uh, deliberate about that because the worst thing I could do after years of experience with these clients is to leave them in a position where if something happened to me tomorrow, uh, they weren't taken care of. And so that's that's the kind of thing that I think about, uh, not just my family, my friends, but also the folks that that uh, that I've worked with, had the opportunity to collaborate with for these last 40 years. You know, I always think of it as it's an act of love for your 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 business. People work with you. It's an act of love for your family to plan in advance because it if you exit this world unexpectedly, how did I prepare everybody for my aftermath? 
And I, I, you want to minimize as much question as to what, what would she have wanted, right? Yes. And if you're going to plan to start, you know, laying out what you want, there's a, a form that's called the five, five wishes that I give to patients to fill out. And it goes scenario based about, you know, if I'm in hospice or if I'm dying, I would want someone to be there or I want to be in a home. I want, I want to die in my home. Um, you go through all the different scenarios so that there's no question what, what would she have wanted? And that's a hard thing. Where's the paperwork? What was her wish? Because you want people to honor your wishes. Obviously, we're blessed if you have assets at the end of life that you can pass in your home wherever you want with nursing care at the side beside you to be there in which they'd say you have to set up a certain amount of money aside for that in-home care when you need skilled nursing care to come in your home if, you, if you're fortunate to do that. That's a lot of thousands, thousands of dollars yes. for, for care. It's yes, going to it be is. expensive. It is. I, I and I feel like what you're what you're also saying, Connie, is that when you have an opportunity to communicate to someone about how you feel, mm-hmm. let's do it. Because uh, if you feel like if you've always thought, mm, I don't like the idea of being buried, I want to be cremated. Mm-hmm. Well, express that to the mm-hmm. person or mm-hmm. persons that might be involved in that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, don't let it go unsaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to the degree you can be in very intentional and, spe- and spell it out, that's wonderful. But we know from experience, most people aren't naturally organized. And so uh, a lot of this is just hearsay. But I will say this, uh, if you are leaving a responsibility to someone to take care of things for you after you're gone, what will make their job easier is if you are explicit about how you'd like to see things handled, it kind of gives them a directive to how to handle it, how to handle your funeral plans, how to handle your possessions, how to handle certain things that might be important to you today, but you couldn't care less about if you were gone. There's, there's all sorts of things you can address. It makes their job easier. And we've seen, you know, uh, people who have done a great job at that. And we've seen people who have not. And and it's just a, you know, if you want to put yourself in someone else's shoes, think about someone who suddenly has to go into a house and clean out, you know, a uh, an accumulator's uh, <laughs> stuff. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, they're also very busy with their own lives. They yeah. have their other challenges. So this it's is not something that, yeah, it is just a lot of work. Yeah. And, and, and so uh, it's not an easy thing to do, making someone your successor or your executor or someone to handle things for you. So you want to be explicit with them about how you feel. Well, I can't believe our, our hour is almost over, Andy. You've given so much great advice to everybody, and, and definitely widows can use it, but also widows in waiting or anybody who's got loved ones who, uh, anybody who's going to pass in this life, which is 100%, to prepare, have those conversations that are difficult because it really is your final act of love of those people who are who are left behind to survive you. So thanks again, Andy, for your wisdom, your your advice, your ex- expertise, and, and, and thanks for to all of you for listening in to November's The Widow's Walk and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Y'all take care and we'll talk to you next month. God bless. Be well. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Widow's Walk with Dr. Connie Mariano. We hope you've gained some peace and maybe even a glimmer of hope as you continue to move forward in your life. Until we talk again, have a beautiful day.